Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Deborah Yepet Pepin. Deborah is a visual artist and co-founding director of exhibitions and programs at the Center for Native Futures, a dynamic contemporary art space in the heart of Chicago dedicated to Native artists. Through her artwork and her work at the Center for Native Futures, she is committed to advocating for positive representations of Native peoples and providing a safe and welcoming environment for Native artists to gather, exhibit, and to be in community with each other. As we jump into the podcast and this interview, um, I had the opportunity to go visit the site uh, a couple months back, and <laughs> it is a beautiful spot located literally in the heart of the city, and I couldn't have been more excited to, to step in that space and to be inspired uh, at a level that I've not really been inspired in quite a while, especially being on location. So uh, before I get ahead of myself, let's jump into this conversation with Deborah Yepa. Deborah Yepapan, uh, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's it's an honor, and thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and where you're from. Oh, yeah. How how long do we want to go? Um, <laughs> I'll I'll try to keep it in a nutshell. Um, okay. So I'm I'm Deborah Yepo Papan. I am Hamas Pueblo and Korean. Um, I'm also a mother, wife, daughter, uh, auntie at large. Um, so my husband, uh, artist Chris Papan, he likes to call himself Uncle at large. Um, yeah, I don't have any siblings, so I don't have any. Um, but you know, I've got lots of cousins, and I, I think I've I've earned the the title of auntie. Um, to, to some of those around me as well. Um, I am a Chicagoan. I grew up here in the city of Chicago, so this is my hometown. Um, I'm a visual artist. Uh, I graduated from the Institute of American Indian Arts in uh, 1992. That's also where I met my husband. Um, I previously worked at the Field Museum as the Native Community Engagement Coordinator where um, that work was just very critical in, um, you know, trying to challenge the institution and, uh, you know, helping to redevelop. And um, it was I was part of the renovation of the the Native American Hall, um, so uh, which is now Native Truths. Um, but now, currently, um, I think I'm in my uh, my biggest. Um, role, uh, you know, in, in contributing back to Native arts uh, as a co-founder and the director of exhibitions and programs um, here at the Center for Native Futures. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was born in Korea. Um, I think that's a, that's a fun fact about me. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people do, and a lot of people don't. Um, so, you know, aside from having experience 
experiences, um, you know, as an urban native person, um, you know, I also have immigrant experiences because I was born in Korea um, and came here with my mother when I was uh, five months old um, so that we could be with my dad. Um, and, you know, then we moved up here to Chicago when I was about almost two, so one and a half, um, and have been here ever since, but maintain very strong connections to my ancestral homelands back in Hamas. Um, so I'm very close to my family there. And um, as a mother, you know, I make sure to take my child um, back home too, and, you know, so that she knows where she's from. And so she participates in ceremony. Um, so that's actually my, that's, that's, that's my, my biggest duty is as a mother and, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, you know, both my husband and I, that we help to instill, um, you know, pride in, in her backgrounds, um, which she, she is. And, uh, you know, now she's in college and you know, she's a dancer. So we support her and her art form there. Um, so, you know, that, and that's a full-time job. It's, you know, your motherhood, parenthood, just, it never ends. It'll, it'll be forever. Hmm. Uh, going back to your time at, uh, IIA, uh, what was, what was your studio study? What, what work did you do? Um, I think at the time when I first started, I actually, you know, I, I didn't realize that I wanted to be an artist and, um, it was in high school in my senior year when I took a design class and, you know, I, I found that I had a, a niche for, you know, um, for design, designing things. And so that led me then to, you know, look into like, well, what schools can I find? Where can I go? And I, I came across the Institute of American Indian Arts and I thought, oh, cool, Let, I, I want to go there. Um, and I told my dad, you know, that that's, that was my choice. That's where I wanted to go. And um, up until that point, I never realized, I, I didn't know that that's the school that he went to um, oh, when wow. he was in Santa Fe. Yeah, so he went to IAIA, um, you know, kind of in the early days, so like uh, mid to late 60s is when he was there. And um, so, you know, he had the, the privilege of having teachers like, uh, you know, um, Alan Hauser and Fritz Scholder and um, Lloyd Kiva New. Um, and, you know, unbeknownst to me up until, you know, it was my turn to go there. So I think he was really proud that I made that choice. Um, as soon as I got to IA, though, you know, because I, I don't draw, I don't paint, you know, that's, that's not really my area of um, you know, like technical skill. Um, I delved into jewelry making. And so I took a handful of jewelry classes and I really enjoyed that. But jewelry is also like, it, it's, it's expensive to invest in, um, you know, buying like your metals, your silver and things like that. And it's a completely different kind of discipline and mindset that goes into jewelry making. So I have a lot of respect for people that, um, you know, make jewelry from scratch. Um, and then I think by my second semester, um, my roommate was, and, and she was my best friend at school at the time, she was taking photography. And so I thought, photography sounds pretty cool. And I just, I jumped into photography and um, I just, I, I loved it. So I never really considered myself a photographer though, but I use photography as my medium to create my art. 
um, so uh, then eventually, you know, just darkroom photography led to um, digital photography, led to digital imaging. Um, so that's basically where my work is at right now. And so um, this, this is a series of um, work right behind me that is um, just, th this is my newest series right now. So it's, um, you know, they're digital images of photograph photographs that I took. Okay. And for the, the listener, um, there it looks like there's about nine images on a wall behind you. Um, actually there's 12. Yeah. You just 12. can't see the full wall. Yeah. But there's, okay, there's okay. 12 different images. Yeah. Um, and how long are those pieces up for? Um, so right now I'm in, uh, our gallery at center for native futures and, um, the show that is currently, um, on exhibit is native futures. So this is our inaugural exhibition, um, featuring 19 artists, uh, mostly visual artists, but we have, um, you know, my, my daughter who's a dancer. So there's a video performance, um, and there's also uh, three poets, um, a video of three poets reading their poetry. So this show is up through May 17th, and we just opened September 16th um, with our grand opening. So uh, the space is very, very new. Um, yeah. Well, that's very exciting. And at the at the end of the interview, I, I definitely would like to hear more about uh, about the the center and uh, what I guess what that is in the space here. For sure. sure. So, um, you know, through, through your, your journey, um, when we're younger, we have influences and we have uh, people and things that are influencing us today. Uh, would you be able to talk about your biggest influences? Um, yeah, you know, and I, I, I thought about that too. I don't, there's not like one particular person, um, who's been, you know, somebody that I, I look up to as like, you know, um, well, I don't want to say idolize, but you know, there's, I think folks that have influenced me or supported me actually are, you know, my parents first and foremost, um, they've always been there to support me. And I, you know, I think there was a time maybe when my mom wasn't so happy that I wanted to become an artist, but at the same time she wanted to make me happy. So <laughs> she didn't fight it. Um, and I think now she's, she's pretty proud of, you know, where it's, it's brought me. Um, but as far as like, you know, like certain styles or, you know, I really try not to, I, I mean, maybe in the beginning it was like, there were certain photographers that I kind of, um, you know, whose work I liked and, you know, they were non-native photographers, but it was just the, the way their technique, um, you know, that really inspired me. So, uh, you know, photographers like um, Patrick Nagatani, um, you know, where, and, and, um, Susan, uh, oh my gosh, why am I going to get her last name wrong? Uh, Skogland, <laughs> um, the, the Starn twins, um, you know, folks that <clears throat> use photography to make art as opposed to just, you know, taking straight on photographs. Um, whereas like Patrick Nagatani, you know, what he would do was he would stage you know, what his photographs were going to look like. So, I mean, the artistry was in that whole, like that, you know, um, coordinating and um, creating like the space that he was going to uh, photograph. And so, you know, I thought like, wow, that's really cool. Um, so, you know, the camera is just a, a tool to, to create like this, this visual kind of um, like photographic painting in a way. Um, 
so those were the kinds of things that I was kind of attracted to. Um, but I mean, I guess definitely, you know, my culture is a huge influence. You know, I use my artwork as a way to, to connect um, with my culture and to, to keep myself grounded in that. Um, and right now, I think, um, you know, just being around other artists, and, and, and that's why this was necessary to create this space as well, so that we could have this community of artists. And, um, you know, if, if just having conversations with other artists and, and finding similarities or um, just, you know, just talking about art and talking about things, you know, those kinds of things are very inspiring. Um, so, yeah. And, 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 you know, and my daughter, I think like being a mom um, and, you know, uh, wanting to show that um, and, and to show like, you know, to teach my daughter how to be proud. Of, of who we are as Pueblo people through my artwork and using her as, um, you know, sometimes my central figure in some of my pieces. Um, those are the kinds of things I think that, um, I think inspire me more than influence me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about your career um, and how that's developed and how you've gotten to where you are now. <laughs> um, and, you know, with, with, well, we've touched on college, but definitely college and post-college. Yeah, um, college. And at the time that I went to IAIA, it was just, a, you know, it was a two year um, college, you know, that offered an associate's degree, um, though, you know, I think like a handful of us, we kind of extended that by doubling our major. So then I was there for three years. Um, <laughs> no, art student never gets through there. There are a lot of time. <laughs> Right, exactly. You try to stretch it as much as possible. Um, as soon as, you know, uh, Chris and I both graduated from IA, um, you know, he came back here to Chicago with me. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's been here ever since. We both wanted to um, continue on with our education by going to art school here. And, you know, he attended the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And then I um, took some classes at Columbia College. Uh, Columbia College of Chicago is, um, they have a really good, you know, photography program. And they've, they've had a very good photography program um, for a long time. So that's where I wanted to continue my education. Um, I took a couple semesters there, but I just, I realized, I think, you know, I just, I didn't like school. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't mind the darkroom part and, you know, the making, making art and, you know, taking darkroom photography, learning color, darkroom photography, and, you know, creating works there. And it gave me the opportunity to create, you know, a body of work. Um, I just, I didn't like the writing. I didn't like the, you know, having to write papers and things like that. So, um, I took a break then because school was also very expensive and I didn't want to take out loans and I was getting no assistance, um, you know, from anywhere. So, you know, and, and that's a myth, right? That just because you're native, you get free education and you get free college tuition and things like that. Like, no, <laughs> oh, those conversations. Oh, the, right. That's a whole other story now. But um, I took a break and then, you know, just worked. Um, and, and then went back to try to t go back to school again. Um, I think maybe older, maybe a little wiser, maybe a little more serious about what I wanted to do. Um, but then I, I 
my, my priority at that time then was family. I wanted to have a baby. I wanted to have a, you know, start, um, you know, a family with my husband. And so, um, I took, I, I maybe took two semesters again, and then that's what introduced me to digital imaging. Um, and, and up until that point too, I was so afraid of computers. Like I had never used a computer and I just like, I was just so like, oh, you know, I cried. I came home because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm so dumb. Um, but then I ended up like acing all of those classes. <laughs> and um, so then like now, like that's that's where, you know, the bulk of my work is done. But um, then I stopped again because I wanted to have, um, you know, I, I was pregnant and I wanted to have a baby. And um, so then I just focused on her and um creating art when i whenever i could um and so i mean for me it's it, it, it it's a long road i think whether whatever route i was to take i think it would have been a long road anyway just because it's 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 hard work it's it's a lot of work and it, it takes a lot of effort to put into you know creating art and and becoming you know having your art uh recognized and acknowledged um, so it's, it was a long journey, but I think I was just fortunate to have people around me that, um, you know, and networks of people that I knew that, you know, liked the work that I was creating and then would give me and my husband opportunities to show our work, um, and talk about our work. And I think social media, especially, you know, once, once we all jumped onto Facebook, I think that really kind of catapulted a lot of uh, artists, because then that was a platform where we can share our work and more people can see our work than um, could before. Yeah, I think the the advent of social media, Instagram, uh, has really changed the, the whole dynamic of how artists interact. Uh, we're no longer restricted to just our region or someone who represents us. You know, we, we have such a large voice now. Right, absolutely. Very exciting. So how do opportunities present themselves? Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, sometimes you have to find them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think you just have to look in those right places, but it can be an intimidating process. You know, when Chris and I came back to Chicago after IAIA, um, you know, we definitely wanted to, to, you know, start our careers as professional artists, but, you know, it was just really intimidating to go about it because, um, you know, that was at the time when you had to create a portfolio. And uh, I mean, in some cases, you still have to now, but it's different now, right? That portfolio process is different. Then it was, um, you know, like getting actual physical works and putting them into like a big, you know, portfolio case and like carrying it around and putting slides together and, you know, approaching galleries and, and asking galleries to, you know, just give you a chance and look at your work. And like that process is just, it's so intimidating, especially when you're young um, and when you're native and you're coming into a big city, coming back to, you know, Chicago and seeing how kind of elite the the art scene is, you know, with all the fancy white wall galleries run by white people for white artists, you know, those are like just spaces that were never welcoming. And so um, 
I think, and, and that's why I say like for us, it was like, it was a longer, harder road. Um, but, you know, we were lucky that there was a friend of ours here in the native community who was going to art school himself to study arts administration. And, um, you know, our, our, our kind of, our thinking around like native art was, you know, in alignment and he was in a position where, you know, he was in certain spaces where he can offer, um, you know, a show and a showing of our art. So, you know, he was he was one of our very early and biggest supporters, um, you know, back in the 90s and, you know, gave us a handful of opportunities to show our works. And that's because he was also being supported by a nonprofit art gallery that, you know, wanted to show Native art. And that was pretty much the only, I think, the only opportunity anywhere around the city that we had. Um, otherwise, you know, Chris had to do art markets um, as a way to, you know, become recognized and have more people, you know, um, see his work, just, you know, just that exposure. Um, and uh, again, I think, you know, it wasn't until like social media where I was able to then start posting my work for people to see um, and then becoming friends with people that um, are in certain positions too, you know. So then there, there's this also there's also this like, um, hey, I know of the show coming up and I like your work. You should be in it, too. Let's, and, you know, you get invitations that way. Um, so I, I think, you know, we're also I, it's really important, I think, as as an artist, as a native artist, that, you know, we carry on that responsibility of passing things forward. Because I remember those people that gave me those opportunities that, you know, I've always wanted to pay that forward and make sure that I give other people um, and, you know, share those opportunities with others also. Hmm. Can we talk a little bit about your um, experience at the Field Museum and sort of that arc of your career? Uh, I've been to this space there. It's beautifully well done. Um, it's, it's an amazing space. Uh, would you be able to speak to that? Yeah, um, I have a long, I guess, personal history with the Field Museum um, because I grew up here in Chicago. And one of I, one of my earliest memories of the Field Museum, because you know, I had always gone there on field trips, you know, um, you know, from school and on summer breaks. My dad would take me there, um, you know, as a way to just do something over the summer. And I remember one visit in particular. Um, there were more halls that had like the Native American, um, you know, display cases, and there were more mannequins and um, things like that on display at the time. I remember walking up to this one case that had, um, you know, it, it, there was a mannequin that was wearing Pueblo traditional clothing. And I remember my dad saying something like, um, he's, you know, he's reading the label and the label identified the ceremonial kilt as being from Cochiti Pueblo. And my dad said, um, he's like, that, that looks more like it's from Hamas. You know, that looks more like a Hamas kilt. And I, you know, so I kind of, I looked, I remember looking at the label and then looking at the kilt and then it just like, that was something that just has stuck with me ever since. And it just resonated in, you know, like, here we are in a museum that doesn't know anything about us. And, you know, like, how can they get this? They got this wrong, you know? Um, so very early on, I was able to, to question, um, you know, those, those anthropologists or those curators and those people at the museum and question museums, right? Um, 
the Native American Hall at that time too was, um, you know, it was for a lot of those cases were first installed in the early fifties. So, and, and up until just most recently with this whole, you know, redevelopment and renovation, those cases had still been up. And so these were cases that I, I had grown up seeing. And so for decades, you know, they had always been there and, there was a point in my life too where I just completely avoided the field museum. I didn't want to have anything to do with it because, you know, those uh, displays were just so embarrassing, you know, that I did not feel connected to them whatsoever. And, you know, after my daughter was born and when she was growing up, you know, I avoided taking her to those areas also. I took her there to see the dinosaurs, but I also refused to give them any money too. So we always got the free passes. Um, and it was really, um, you know, once I met the curator, uh, and this is probably in the last decade, um, the the uh, the last curator that they had for uh, Native American um, uh, collections or anthropology, um, you know we formed a relationship because she was always out in community. She came out into the native community and, you know, she made friendships and, you know, she made relationships. And, um, you know, I saw that as a way of, um, you know, kind of like, oh, wow, you know, now here's this access, this different kind of access to the museum. Um, I think it just, we just slowly started to plant seeds to, uh, I think there was a seed already planted that she helped to plant, but then we helped to further grow those seeds um, to, to push the museum to make those changes. So um, she met my husband, Chris, uh, she purchased some of his works for the permanent collection and then immediately um, offered him the opportunity to exhibit his work at the Field Museum. So, you know, art is a catalyst for change. And I think she knew that. And she, this was kind of a way, a strategy to help push um, and change the narrative at the museum. And I remember when um, they told Chris that his work was going to go in the old hall, um, you know, he, he came home and he was, he was telling me this cause you know, he was sharing with me the whole process. My first reaction was just like, ew, why? Um, but you know, at the same time we saw that, that this would be a great opportunity to really, really make a huge impact. And so his show opened in 2016, um, and it really helped to, um, to, to push the, you know, um, fundraising efforts so that they were able to raise enough funds by the end of 2017, early 2018, to begin the project to renovate the hall. And then I was hired as, because I was already volunteering um, in 2017 to make sure that Native people had access to the museum and to collections um, and to see Chris's exhibition. And um, so then I was hired to be the community engagement coordinator in 2018. Um, and that was a very it was a it was a roller coaster. <laughs> it was a love and hate, um, you know, relationship with the museum. Um, There's a lot of like you know work in trying to decolonize, um, which you know I I can't use that word uh, anymore because there's just no way to decolonize the you know the, the that type of institution, um, even with the you know updated hall. Um, so, but now you know I just I feel like in the last year I've it, it, things changed. Things changed, and and not really for the better. 
Um, and so it was time to just, it was time to cut loose and, and move on. So um, that's a whole other story, I think, for a whole other um, program. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's touch on, and maybe more than touch on, uh, the Center for Native Futures. Um, I, I, sitting here at the moment, I can't recall when I first heard about it, um, but I got very excited when I realized that this was uh, coming to be, and it was it was in Chicago, and so I deliberately went to Chicago to to meet you and Monica and the staff and to see the space there. And of course, schedules didn't work out for us, um, but I had to come check it out, and I'm so excited about the the attention uh, that's being brought to you right now because uh, I think it's super important what you're doing. Um, but yeah. Uh, would you be able to um, talk about the center and its its mission and and whatnot? Yeah, um, this is and this is like a new baby now, right? Like this is a, mm-hmm. a shared baby with um, you know the collective and our other co founders. Um, you know, as I previously mentioned that process of trying to show your work, exhibit your work and to be seen um, and to be represented, you know, was intimidating. And at that time, you know, we started to dream about, um, you know, what would it be like if we just had our own space? Like that would be so amazing if we could just have our own art center where we had our own exhibition space, our own, um, you know, studios, we could provide studio spaces to artists so that we can all work together and just like, you know, create this, this collective and this community of, of Native artists in a, in a space that we feel safe in and, and safe among others. Um, so, you know, it, it, it wasn't until um, 2020 and during the pandemic and, um, you know, the fact that there were you know, for the longest time also, it felt like just, it was just me and Chris um, that were at this level of, um, in our careers with our art here in the city of Chicago, and still had no opportunities to really show our work here in the city. Um, You know, we weren't being invited to places like the Art Institute, or, you know, the Museum of Contemporary Art, or any of these other um, spaces, and you know, and we live here. We live like right in their their backyard. Um, so you know, we're we were trying to fill a need. There were other Native artists that started to move into the area. So you know, artists like Andrea Carlson and X. Um, you know, Frank Walm. Uh, he's not a visual artist, but you know, he's a musician, um, and you know, he was going to school here at Columbia College, and. Uh, still lives here. He's Chicago-based. Um, Monica Rickard Bolter. Um, you know, though her background is, uh, you know, was in animation and commercial art. Um, you know, we were also trying to encourage her to to move into, um, you know, fine art. And um, but you know, we all kind of shared the same vision of you know needing needing to be represented, needing better representation. And, and, you know, um, representing here in the city of Chicago, where there's very minimal representation of Native art. And so uh, in 2020, during the pandemic, we would kind of meet online, um, just, as, you know, created like a support group. We would meet weekly just to chat, um, check in on each other, 
just to, you know, kind of, you know, care for each other. And we just got into a conversation one day and um, just said, hey, well, what's what's stopping us? Let's what's stopping us from doing this? Let's just do it. And we were lucky to have a friend who has background in, um, you know, nonprofit organizations and starting them up. So she helped us with our 501c3 status. And it felt like everything kind of fell into place um, around, you know, at the right time. Um, we were in conversation then, too, with, um, you know, the new director of the Terra Foundation. Um, and, you know, we were, we were able to tell her about our space, what our, our mission was, what our thoughts around, you know, what we want to do are. And, um, you know, they supported us. And so they were they gave us our, our seed funding to start. So um, we didn't have a physical space because everything was still, um, you know, we were doing things virtually and um, we were able to get this space in partnership with the MacArthur Foundation. Um, they own this building that we're in. And, uh, yeah, we were able to move in here by um, June of this year. So just, you know, several months ago. But, um, you know, we have a lot of a lot of ideas and a lot of things that we want to do. Um, first and foremost, you know, this is the only place that you'll be able to come to in the city of Chicago to see, um, you know, a wide array of, you know, contemporary Native fine art. Um, this is a space where, you know, we're welcoming Native community as well. Um, so, you know, um, we, we have hosted artist talks and other events, and we always prioritize, you know, Native community um, coming to those, um, you know, we have a studio here as well. So we have an artist in residence, uh, Noelle Garcia, and uh, she's also one of the artists in the exhibit. But you know, she gets to use the uh, the space for free. And um, you know, all we want to do is just be able to support her in whatever ways we can. Um, we don't have plans yet for who our next artist in residence will be, but, you know, we'll be working on that. So we're still, we're, because we're so new um, and we're just, you know, finding our, our footing in our physical space now, um, you know, we'll, we'll be starting to, to lay down some groundwork from, you know, for, for other things and creating a process for things. But, you know, we do have a Mound Summit Symposium coming up in December. So, you know, that's a platform that we want to give voice to either other Native artists. Um, this year, we're focusing on curators. Um, so curators of Native art who are Native themselves. So as a way to help amplify um, and elevate those voices and, you know, especially young emerging um, you know, native artists uh, or native art curators. So, um, you know, we're hoping that because of the attention that we are getting, that the people that we bring and the programs that we put on will also get that, that same attention and we can really help to contribute to, um, you know, just really pushing and progressing um, native art, especially here in the city. Well, Congratulations. Um, the center is wonderful. Uh, what you're doing is wonderful. I, after I left, uh, the, the, the center, um, that day and I left, I, I was so full of energy. I was, I was so excited about what you were doing. Um, so again, congratulations, uh, yeah, on thank you. an amazing thing that you've all created. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I mean, I do want to say too, it's not, you know, it's not any one person or any one of us. There's no way that, you know, even though Chris and I had this dream years ago, there was just no way the two of us could have done this um, without this collective and our friends and people that we really care about and care for and who care for us, um, you know, and share this vision with us. You know, we're all, we all bring something to the table. And, you know, I really just want to give a huge shout out to, um, you know, our, our, you know, our really good friend and co-founder, co-director, Monica Rickard Bolter, because, um, I mean, like she's, she's been busting ass, <laughs> if I can say that on air, um, okay. you know, because <laughs> uh, she's, she's been doing a lot of the legwork um, to really keep our heads afloat and, um, you know, just writing beautiful grant proposals that, you know, have been so helpful in, in bringing in the funding that we need. Um, so, uh, you know, I just, I, want to make sure that I give her a big shout out there. Absolutely. And she is also a guest on the podcast as well. So we'll be sharing her story uh, very Great. shortly. Yay. So what would you want to say to the 18 to 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think just, you know, um, don't expect anything to happen overnight. Um, I think there's this kind of, um, you know, thinking that things will happen immediately or people expect things immediately. And that's, that's not reality. I mean, maybe for some, right? Like maybe some folks are, you know, in the right place at the right time and, and are lucky to find that. But really it just, you know, it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of hard work um, and you just got to keep at it. You know, like if, if you have a goal, just know that, you know, maybe you'll reach that goal in five years. Maybe it'll take 20 years, but that's okay because everything that you're learning along the way is an important experience that will help you get to that goal. Um, you know, it, it's really, it's taken me and Chris 30 years to get here. Is it 30 years? Almost 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> just about. Um, but, you know, that, and that's what I mean. I, I think, you know, um, you just got to keep at it. Sometimes your life will take a detour and, you know, other things happen. But you know what? Again, that's okay. That's all a part of the experience. That's all a part of the journey. Um, and just, you know, um, keep keep a good head, straight head on your earth, a head, whatever the saying is. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and I think for me, integrity is, is a big, um, is a big deal, you know, um, maintain your integrity. Um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give up that integrity in anything that you do. Um, and, you know, create networks, create relationships, um, that's been something that's so important too, because, you know, you never know what, how, how people can help each other, right? Like what, what things people can offer. Um, and so, you know, create good, genuine relationships and, and give back when you have the chance, because then it always comes back to you too. Hmm. That's great. That's really great to hear. So what do you all have going on right now? What's, what's next for for you? Um, I think just focusing on what our next program is, um, you know, we've got, uh, we've 
because this is so new and we're just down the street from the School of the Art Institute and Columbia College, you know, we have a lot of college kids, a lot of classes wanting to come and visit. So right now I'm just kind of living in the moment right now and just, you know, like, um, you know, making sure that people come in and have access and can see the art and we can talk about, you know, why this is really important. Um, but, you know, I think just we're just focusing on, on you know, the programs that we need to, to put out there You know, our, our Mound Summit Symposium. Um, we'll be at Expo Chicago again next year. Um, we have we got a grant to uh, for this project to support an emerging um, curator. Uh, so, you know, there's a curator, native curator uh, who lives here in Chicago, works here at the Art Institute. Um, we're giving her, or we have the ability to give her the opportunity um, to lead a curation project, and she can select a, a mentor, um, so somebody who is more established um, curator, to kind of help just guide her through the process, or just, you know, just be a support for her. Um, but, you know, she's going to lead the project. So, you know, that's exciting. And that's something that we're really looking forward to. So that's what we're, um, you know, going to be in conversation with her about. Um, and so then, you know, hopefully that'll be a show that opens next year. And, um, yeah, I mean, right now it, it's focusing on this. Um, our daughter is going to be graduating from college. Um, oh, that's in exciting. April. So, you know. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, there's that. And, um, you know, and I, I'm hoping that I, all of this will help me to get back into making art. Um, when I was at the Field Museum, so much of my work was invested in, um, you know, helping with the renovation, welcoming Native people, um, and, and, you know, providing service to Native people that I kind of had to put my artwork on the back burner. Um, until this piece right behind me, um, which is my my most current piece. And I'm hoping that all of this, um, just being back in art-related work, that I can get back to making my own artwork. That leads us to uh, this question about um, where can the listener find your work? Um, right now here at Center for Native Futures, um, I don't do, I don't have a website. So maybe that's, that's another next step for me is, um, you know, building my own website. Um, we do have a center for native futures, uh, dot org, um, website where, uh, you know, we, we have some works, you know, and we're hoping to maybe create, um, you know, like a gallery where we can share uh, work of the artists that we represent here. Um, which includes us too, you know, the, the co-founders. Um, and I do have a Facebook, um, page, uh, art page. So it's, it's just Deborah Yepo Papan art. Um, I need to be better at updating that though. So it, it doesn't have like any current work, but to see this piece in person, um, come visit us at center for native futures at 56 West Adams here in Chicago. We'll put links and directions in the show notes for guests. Okay. For sure. Sounds good. Well, Deborah, thank you so much uh, for your time and sharing your experience. Uh, this this has been really wonderful. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, thank you so much, and thank you for you know the opportunity to to share. And um, yeah, I, I just I hope others are excited to come and visit us, and we get more more visitors from all over. Well, I will be visiting again soon. I'm really excited about what you're all doing, so I can't wait. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. 
I want to thank Deborah again for her time and sharing her story with us. The work that she and her staff are doing at the Center for Native Futures is something that is truly very special. And I am, to say I'm excited about it is sort of an understatement. I, I see what they're doing and I really understand that that work needs to be happening all over the country right now. And it is. I mean, there, there are places where that, that is happening. But in Chicago, they've really tapped into something really special and it's very exciting. So I encourage you, uh, wherever you are, to go to Chicago, check them out and see what they're doing and collaborate with them, work with them. This is something that is really, really exciting. When I heard about this, I did what I could as soon as I could to get to to Chicago and meet them and tour the space there because I, I really wanted to see what they were doing to the point where I think I called two days ahead of time before I went out there. Uh, I was that excited. So, you know, all that said, uh, you know, uh, if, if you do want to go see them, contact them well ahead of time to give them time to plan <laughs> and to be ready for you to show up. Just um, planning ahead of time is always good. Is, is good policy. So, yeah. But to Deborah and the folks uh, that I met when I was out there, uh, thank you so much for your hospitality and your time. And I, I really look forward to our next conversations uh, that will be happening again, uh, hopefully sooner than later, for sure. So thank you for that. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, on Twitter, or X, whatever it's called now. And the the podcast is, or the, the name is The Five Point Questions, and uh, you, you know where to find us. A lot of you interact with us, which is really great. So, well, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.